بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة المتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين أشهد لا إله إلا الله ولي الصالحين وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد فإن شاء الله وكنتني ودي ابن أبي زيد القيرواني هيز مقدمة مقدمة القيروانية with the explanation of Sheikh Salif bin Fawzan al-Fawzan hafidhullah and we have reached page 30 from this pamphlet version of the book where Ibn Abi Zayd rahimullah says وَعْلَمْ أَنَّ خَيْرَ الْقُلُوبِ أَوْعَاهَا the best hearts know that the best hearts are like the utensils the vessels sorry the vessels that gather the hearts that memorize and understand they're the best hearts وَأَرْجَ الْقُلُوبِ لِلْخَيْرِ مَا لَمْ يَسْبِقِ الشَّرُّ إِلَيْهِ And also, the hopeful hearts, whereby those hearts that, inshallah, will be upon goodness, they're the hearts where the evil has not preceded it first. Yani, the hearts that are given goodness, better than the hearts that you have to fill first remove the evil and then put the goodness. Meaning the young, the youth, the hearts of those who are young, Teach them, help them, educate them, put aqidah in their hearts, let them understand the aqidah sahiha, the belief in Allah that is correct, and his angels and his messengers in the last day in the books, and the last day and the decree, both good and bad. When they know the pillars of iman before any evil reaches them, then their hearts that are from the best hearts. Even though the messenger وسلم, he said, Khairu. He said, Naam. He said, the, the best of those in Jahiliya, Khairukum fil Jahiliya, Khairukum fil Islam. The best of those in Jahiliya are the best in Islam. But what did he say afterwards? Ida faqihu. If they have fiqh, if they have understanding, not just that they they had good manners before, and then when they became Muslim, they, they became the best of the Muslims. But, but what's important is if they have understanding. So the best hearts are the hearts like vessels, whereby evil has not touched them first. First and foremost, good has reached the hearts. القلوب التي تتنبه للتعليم النافع هي خير القلوب يا والله the hearts that are ready as Sheikh Fawzan says for for beneficial knowledge and understands and comprehends that this is beneficial knowledge and beneficial to that person is a heart that is good أما القلب القاسي as for the hard heart والقلب الذي لا يقبل التعليم and the heart that doesn't accept any teaching فهذا محروم and that is a heart that is withheld from good and Sheikh Salaf Uzan also mentioned أرجى القلوب للخير ما كان خاليا من الشر الذي لم يوجه توجيها سيئا so the heart that has not really already been taken to lead an evil life that heart is better 
وفي وقتنا الحاضر الذي لم ينشغل بهذه المحدثات وهذه الآليات التي تجلب الشر من الإذاعات والتلفزيون والإنترنت and those hearts that came before before even what you see now from the youth the youth now have been preoccupied with what? with that which comes to them with these uh, tablets whereby haram is easy at the fingertips internet television showing all sorts Naam. The, then you'll find that that young boy that, or young girl that hasn't been trained or hasn't been educated and cultivated just left to themselves then they preoccupied themselves with the haram that is a heart that has been corrupted first and foremost so before they even reach that we should educate them to be conscious that Allah is watching them Allah sees them, Allah knows what they're doing, hears what they're saying. And the internet should be controlled. Parental control. Even that is available. Parents should be responsible. Not leave these affairs open to their children and then afterwards they say, Why me? Why has this calamity reached me? It's too late. And it could be too late. Well, you've lost your child. You've lost your daughter, you've lost your son. It's too late. At an early age, we train our children. At an early age, we educate them. Before the time comes when we, uh, when we realize that, it's, that our children are running away from us, that our children have left us, that our children have been influenced because others have given them more love. Others have helped them more, educated them more in that which they want them to be upon. But you as a parent, you're responsible. To spend time with your child, to send your children to good schools, to send your children to learn the Quran at an early age, to learn the Quran and to understand the Quran, to remind them, to take them out, to take them out, be as a family, one unit, go out for picnics and be together as a family where you can train each other, help each other, educate each other, remind each other. Before what comes upon them comes upon them because in that in this day for a child to grow up is hard it's not easy they need help they need guidance and other than that from trials that have befallen our children and families in the hands of the child male or female you find that they have haram in front of them. Biyadi kulli ahad in the hands of everyone. These wasail are evil. They're not controlled. And it has you find it the youth already have these gadgets, these phones, these tablets in their hands. Open him to much evil. And after that, once they have already been controlled, ready to fall into their desires, it's hard to control them afterwards. It's hard to turn them away from that. And shaitan comes through two doors. 
the door of shubuhat and the door of shahwat, the doors of doubts and the doors of desires. The doors of doubts can be repelled with yaqeen, with certainty. And the doors of shahwat, of doubts, uh, of desire, sorry, can be repelled with taqwa. Can be repelled with taqwa, with piety. As Shaykh Abdurrahman al-Sadi rahimullah, he mentioned in his beautiful lines of poetry, Sayyid Allah Dar al-Akhirah, he mentioned. Actually, in his Qawaid al-Fiqhiyya, in his principles in fiqh, he mentioned about the, the, the importance of yaqeen, the importance of taqwa, the importance of certainty in order to repel Certainty to rep knowledge to repel doubts and taqwa to repel shahawat. Now, does anyone remember those lines of poetry? Now, Allah Allah, Ilam, Zakla Khir, Hudita Anna Avdal al Minan, Ilmun Yuzidu Shaka Anka Wad Daran. Ilam, know that the best of ways is ilm which takes you away from shak, doubt, what daran, what's daran? Impurities, the impurity of sin, hey wallah, sin is impure, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to live a good life, hayatun tayyibah, people will enter paradise, they'll be called, ya ayyatuhu nafsul mutma'inna, content soul, good soul, nafsul tayyibah, the good soul, Ibn al-Qayyim said, that is the soul that will enter paradise. That soul which is tayyib, which is good. But, as if, but if you have the rust of sins over you, they must be cleaned either by tawbah in this life, or either by Allah forgiving you in the hereafter. And if that's not the case, then they have to be cleaned with the fire, as Ibn al-Qayyim said. No soul will enter paradise with daran, with impurity, with rust of sins. Sins have to be removed by tawbah, by istighfar. Sins have to be removed by maybe the good deeds. Blot out the bad deeds. Follow up a bad deed with a good deed that you may blot it out, that you may wipe it out. And if that's not the case, then, they should, then the tawbah, the, repent, the, the repentance that Allah accepts on Yom Al-Qiyamah. And if that's not the case, it has to be cleaned with the fire before you enter paradise. This is the reality of sins. Sins are destructive. Sins will make you fall. Sins will destroy you. If we don't make tawbah, if we don't turn to Allah. But Allah says, don't despair from the mercy of Allah. قُلْ يَا عِبَادِ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ Oh my soul has wronged themselves. Don't despair from the mercy of Allah. Allah forgives all sins. Indeed he is of forgiving, most merciful. But turn to Allah in repentance and submit to him truthfully, wholeheartedly. Before punishment comes and you're not given victory, you're not given aid. 
And follow the best of what has been revealed to you from your Lord. Before a punishment comes to you suddenly, while you don't even realize. Such a person regretfully says, I have wronged, I have fallen short with regards to the rights of Allah. When Kuntu Sakhirin, I used to be from those who used to mock. So Ya Abdullah, there is time to repent. There is time to turn to Allah. And Allah forgives all sins. But now we turn to repentance. Before that time, that may be the situation we're under Allah's will. If He wills, He punishes. If He wills, He forgives. And if He punishes, then He is Shadidul Iqab. Yes, Allah is merciful, but Allah is also strict in punishment. But Allah is strict in punishment. Punishment is, when it comes, it comes. وَلَكِنْ لَوْ مُنِعَتْ مِنْهَا فِي الْأَوَّلِ صَارَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ But if you didn't give your children these tablets without controlling it, can be using that which is good and that which is evil. But if you didn't control it, just gave them and let them look at haram, let them fall into haram, and let them be... There are people out there, pedophiles, there are people out there waiting to lead your children astray. Takfiris. How many, subhanAllah, how many of these takfiris, whether it is in Iraq, in Palestine, or in Syria, or in Somalia and other countries, they want you, look at Shabab, this, this, this evil group. They try and get the Somalian children to be what? Suicide bombers. If you don't, if you're not careful with your, with, with your children, you, ch you lose your child. With Shabab. And likewise, those takfirs are calling others to Iraq and, and, and Syria. Saying jihad, jihad, like Adnan Ur'ur, jihad, jihad, where? and he's sitting in, he's sitting where? In Riyadh, eating his full meal. While those children who went for jihad, they got killed, they got blown up, or they blew themselves up. What jihad? This is facade, this is corruption. We have to look after our children. Be careful of those evil callers at the gates of hellfire, calling your children. You younger brothers and sisters, be careful. Educate them before they are, they are miseducated or educated in the wrong way. Be careful. Used as, as just blown up pieces of flesh. Blown up pieces of flesh. Collateral damage. That's all they end up. Because you left that call, you left that duty of not educating the children, not taking care. Never thought it would happen to you. Never thought it would happen to your child. Educate them to be upon Tawheed, to be upon Sunnah. And the other one, Arifi, Jihad, Jihad in Syria. And he's on Oxford Street shopping with his, with his family. Be careful of these callers to evil. Callers, they call you to facade, to corruption, while they themselves not going.
Yes, one of them when his child got caught at the border of Saudi, he called for his child to come back. But for other children, you let them go. MashaAllah, Tabarakallah. These are the callers to evil. The callers to corruption. This is not jihad. This is fasad. You don't change an evil to create a greater evil. Our deen is built upon rectification. In bringing it forward, bringing good and repelling evil. And when there are two goods, you take the best of the two. And opposite to that, if there are two evils, two harms, situations, it's difficult living under an evil ruler like Bashar, but it's worse now because you went out against him, it's worse now. So you lived under a situation of difficulty, of hardship, but you created a greater hardship. Women, widowed, children orphaned, families displaced. Situation in Syria is worse, not better. How are you going to create, change a situation, and you don't have the ability to do so? Allah says, لا يكلف الله نفساً إلا وسعها On no soul does Allah place a burden more than it can bear. So educate the children before time comes when they are misled. فَيَجِبُوا مِلْؤُهَا بِالْخَيْرِ Use their time, fill it with good. As Sheikh Salaf Uzan says, وَإِبْعَادَهَا عَنِ الشَّرِّ and keep their, their children away from evil. As the poet said, I've come to know this desires the desires that will lead before I, I, before I know what desires are. فَصَادَفَ قَلْبًا خَالِيًا فَتَمَكَّنَا And that desires, before I can even catch it, before I can repel it from my own children, what happened? The desires entered the heart, which were empty, which were not ready. And it became firmly established, taking the people away from the truth. الْقَلْبِ And the, the calamity, he says, is that evil enters the heart first before the good. Teach your children the good things such that when evil comes, teach them to repel the evil like a mirror. When it comes, it bounces off. As Ibn al-Qayyim said, don't make your hearts like a sponge soaking up all bid'ah and all evil. Make your heart like a mirror. When the bid'ah comes, when the evil comes, it bounces off. So guard your children. And guard your students from those means of evil. Those things that are easily available in their hands, like phones and tablets and so on. Be careful that they use them in that which is evil, without any control. And how much of that is available today. And as for those means of good, how few they are. Take your children, yes. Teach them and create activities for them in that which will be halal for them and good for them. 
occupy them and that which will help them. فالخطر شديد الآن على شباب وشابات المسلمين. The danger is, is severe now for the youth, Muslim women, men and women. يعني the youth. لأن وسائل الشر قد انتشرت وصارت بأيديهم. Because these means of evil are now widespread and at a hand's reach, arm's length from them. Ibn Abi Zayd continued by saying, وَأَوْلَ مَا عُنِيَ بِهِ النَّاصِحُونَ وَرَغِبَ فِي أَجْرِهِ الرَّاغِبُونَ إِصَالُ الْخَيْرِ إِلَى قُلُوبَ أُولَادِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ So that's the first thing you should strive for in advising your children, and that is bringing good to their heart before evil comes to them. Give, give importance to the youth in your communities. Teach them, occupy them, help them. Allah is happy, we're pleased to see. When you have, uh, when you have schools, or when you have Muslim schools, or masjid where, mashallah, you have over 100 children learning. In Slough, the same. We have 160 children, alhamdulillah, learning, both boys and girls. Learning not just Quran, but learning Islam, learning the deen of Allah, learning the correct aqidah. Brothers striving to write booklets, pamphlets, striving to give out leaflets. Hakada. And, and go out on trips, take them out. Shaykh Muhammad al-Banna used to do that. He used to go out on trips with Shaykh, with his students. With Shaykh Rabi' and Shaykh Muhammad al-Man. And others, rahimahumullah, rahimahumullah. Yes, he used to take them out. Where? He used to take them out to the villages. Outside Medina. They used to go out. And he said, in the morning I wake them up. I wake them up. And even some of his students have mentioned that he used to clean their clothes, get their clothes ready. He used to make the breakfast. SubhanAllah. For the youth, for the young. They were young at that time. And they would take them out and they would do exercise. And he said, instead of, uh, instead of saying, one, two, three, like that, they would say, SubhanAllah, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar. SubhanAllah, Alhamdulillah, like that. Huh? This is what he mentioned to us. You take, that, take them out. And MashaAllah, teach the youth. And they, he said, there were golden days. Those years, those three years in Medina that he, he stayed before moving to Makkah and Jeddah, he said they were the golden years. Sheikh Albani, rahimullah, is my neighbor. And when he used to speak, we, stay, we all stay quiet. We don't speak. Because he's alim, the lion of the majlis, Asadul Majlis. Sheikh Albani, rahimullah. And all of us will stay quiet because we know he's got ilm. We know that it's going to suffice you with hadith. Allahu Akbar. Occupy the youth in that which is good. MashaAllah, I heard brothers here, they go archery. MashaAllah, tabarakallah. It's khair. And they teach them, as the Messenger Sallallahu said, teach your children archery, teach them horse riding, teach them sibaha, swimming. Allah is sad. Yeah, family, the children don't, don't know how to swim. And even the father doesn't know how to swim. The maskeen. <laughs> Allah, I'm miskeen. Doesn't know how to swim. Kif. Learn how to swim, ya akhi. Learn how to uh, ride a horse. Yes. <laughs> Allah. Learn how to swim, ya akhi. Subhanallah. Imagine you may, may be in a situation. Could happen. Sallallahu salama. Wa hal anta min talameed fulan? Hada shughluhum al-an. Wa hada la yasluh ya ibadallah. He says the occupation of many of the students today is uh, 
Are you from the student of so-and-so? Are you from the student of so-and-so? Rather than learning aqidah, learning manhaj, learning that which will benefit them. فَيَجِبُ أَنْ يُخْلَصَ الْمُعَلِّمُونَ أَنْ يُخْلِصَ الْمُعَلِّمُونَ فِي تَعْلِيمِ طُلَّابِهِمْ وَيُبْعُدُوهُمْ عَنْ هَذِهِ الْمُشَاحَنَاتِ Keep them away from these trials and tribulations that are happening or fitting that are happening. Maybe a situation between two is a personal situation. Differences that occur. وَيُلْزَمُوهُمْ طَرِيقًا وَاحِدًا Show them one way, the path of the of knowledge, tariq ahli ilm, the path of the scholars, tariq al-salaf al-salih. Let them benefit, let them use their time in that which will benefit them. This is what's obligatory upon the teacher. That teacher which brings about beneficial knowledge. As for the teacher who teaches students other than that, occupying them with fitan with and so on and so forth, this will not benefit them. No doubt, if it's in a matter which is clear, you teach them. You teach them to keep away from, uh, from evil, from the as the poet said, I have known the evil not for the sake of knowing it, not just for the sake of knowing it, but I've known it to keep away from it. And whoever doesn't know, distinguish between the true, the good and the bad, he falls into the bad. So knowing that which is enough for you to keep you away from that which will harm you, that is good and that is important. But where the situation is unclear, then that is a situation which is fitna and is best in times of fitna to sit down rather than stand up or to stand up rather than walk in the fitna. Don't sit with this one. Don't sit. If, it were, if it's benefits for them, yes, mention it. If it's a benefit, then mention it. Whereby the person can be saved from sitting from someone who smokes or is upon drugs and so on, yes, benefit. Or someone upon innovation, like those who've taken their, who've taken many children to do evil things. What's important is you bring about goodness to your child's heart before that child's heart is occupied with any evil. Ready. Wallahi, it's uh, difficult out there. The world is not easy. They need to be trained. They need to be taught. This is what's obligatory upon the teacher and the caller to Allah. It's bringing the good to the believers and the children of the Muslims. Not with differences. Not with differences. فيجب الاهتمام بأولاد المؤمنين الصغار بأن يوجهوا وجهة السليمة الوجهة الواحدة وجهة الكتاب والسنة وما عليه السلف الأمة يعني teach them the book of Allah the sunnah of the messengers and that which the salaf al-salih were upon such that you bring them biographies true biographies biographies of the prophets so they can see who the role models are those great prophets the biographies of the ulama Biographies of Ahl Ilm in the past and how they used to be. Like for example, when Sufyan al he was known as Amir al-Mu'minin in Hadith, having memorized many thousands of Hadith. Imam Ahmad he asked, al-Imam? Man al-Imam? Do you know who the Imam is? He said, Sufyan al-Thawri. Allahu Akbar. So teach him statements like that to know who the ulama are. 
in the first century, second century, third century, the student, the Sahaba, stories of the Sahaba anhum, Abu Huraira, for example, and how he used to tie a stone around his stomach because of hunger. And he came out one time and he asked Abu Bakr a question, anhum. He asked him a question, not because he wanted the answer, but because he wanted somebody to invite him to his house to get some food. He was hungry. And then after that, Abu Huraira continued because Abu Bakr didn't see that in his face, the hunger in his face. But he continued. And when he saw the Prophet Muhammad he asked him a question. And then the Prophet realized, he looked at his face and said, I've come out for the same reason why you've come out. I'm hungry. And then, alhamdulillah, that is the story of the milk. When they went to uh, one of the companions who had a bowl of milk. And Abu Huraira, I was thinking, that, alhamdulillah, that would be sufficient for us. Me, the Prophet and the host. But the Prophet said to Abu Huraira, go and call Al-Suffa, your tribe. And he's thinking, all of those are going to come and drink from this bowl of milk. All of them. And he's hungry. And not only that, when he brings them, and they are queuing one after the other, he has to serve them. And he's hungry. Allahu Akbar. Because the one who pours drinks last. This is adab for the children. Somebody comes to the house and you're pouring, don't you drink first. You're going to pour for your guest. And you drink last, pour for yourself last. If there are dates, don't pick two at once. This is not from the adab of eating. Teach them the adab. Pick one at a time. It's not from the sunnah to pick two at a time. Pick one at a time. And it's not from good manners to put the pip with the date. Some brothers do that, Allah Yadim. Because he just put it in his mouth and then he puts the pip next to the date again. And he says, Tfaddal. <laughs> Don't put it in there, put it separate. Stuff from good manners. Even one of the Mashaykh, he said, one brother was picking up a cup to serve the qahwa. He said, Don't serve it with the left hand, serve it with the right hand. This is adab, it's etiquette. And when he served it with the right hand, he put his hand over the rim where you put your mouth. He said, No, don't do it like that. When you serve it, don't put your fingers at the top. Huh? Put it at the bottom of the cup and then serve the cup. These are adab. And some brothers, they come and put their fingers inside the cup. <laughs> and put the fingers inside the cup. Fadal akhi. This is not the way. This is not from adab. Sheikh Muhammad al-Banna, rahimahullah, adab. He wouldn't sit until he served all of his guests. And if he's promised his wife to eat with his wife, he will not even eat with you until you finish. And he's fasting all day, subhanAllah. Allah, I ain't seen anyone in the best of manners that I've seen with Sheikh Muhammad al-Banna, rahimahullah. And the likes of Sheikh Rabi'i. He used to have beds at the bottom of his house for those who come and visit for the weekend. They can stay over. Tfaddal, ahlan, tfaddal. And he always say to come and come upstairs to eat. You come from far away, your guests. Come. How much love he showed, Allah. How much love he showed to his guests. Allah. Afshu salam. Hadith of Abdullah ibn salam. Afshu salam. Wa at'imu ta'am. Wa sallu bin nas. Wa sallu bin layl. Wa nasu niyam. Adab, ya akhi. Adab. We need manners, Allah. Adab. The Prophet said, Ma jitu illa li utamima makalim al akhlaq. I have not come except to complete good manners. The heaviest on the scales is aqidah, yes, but also the heavy will be your manners. 
your etiquette. And some people will reach the, those who fasted and those who used to pray at night, they will reach their same reward. With what? With their manners. They didn't fast regularly. They didn't pray at night regularly. But they will reach their same reward that they will reach because of good manners. SubhanAllah. Akhlaq. Hadith of Abi Hurairah to finish that hadith. So the Ahlul Sufa came and they're drinking from the milk. Is Abu Hurairah serving all of them. When they finish, then the Prophet said to Abu Hurairah, drink. And Abu Hurairah is drinking. He's, then he, that's after all that. Imagine he had to go and call them. Now he's now, alhamdulillah, drink. And he's drinking. Drink. And he's drinking. Drink. Until Abu Hurairah said, لا أجد لها مسلكا. I do not find a space for it. Allahu Akbar. And he drank his fill. Huh? If he's full. And then who drank last? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Ya Abdullah. Is there anyone better than Rasulullah in manners? Of course not. The best in manners. Khayrukum khayrukum li ahlihi. Wa ana khayrukum li ahli. The best of you are those who go to their families. And I'm the best to my family. Yes. How are you in the house? The family, they know you the most. How are you? Helping them. Putting a morsel in their mouth is charity, subhanAllah. Helping them. But in the outside, mashallah, you're a cat with the brothers and a lion in the house. No, it shouldn't be like that. In the house, also, be gentle, be kind. Khayrukum, khayrukum li ahlihi wa ana khayrukum li ahlihi. You want to see your, your akhlaq, how it is? How are you with your wife and your children? May Allah protect us and forgive us our shortcomings. Then Sheikh Salif Uzan, he says, he said, لِيَرْسُخَ فِيهَا وَتَنْبِيهُهُمْ عَلَى مَعَالِمَ الدِّيَانَ So he teaches the children at a young age that they may be rooted in their hearts, in their manners. وَتَنْبِيهُهُمْ عَلَى مَعَالِمَ الدِّيَانَ وَحُدُودِ الشَّرِيعَانَ Teaching them the most important points of this deen and the limitations, the hudud of the sharia, such that liyardu alayha, liyuradu alayha, such that they can practice it until it becomes something they used to. وَمَا عَلَيْهِمْ أَن تَعْتَقِدَهُ مِنَ الدِّينِ قُلُوبُهُمْ أَن تَعْتَقِدَهُ مِنَ الدِّينِ قُلُوبُهُمْ And what is upon them that they should believe in their hearts from the deen. Shaykh Salif Uzan said, Yes, the children are taught what they should believe at a young age. What their hearts should believe at a young age. From the aqeedah of Ahl al-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah. Al-Mabniya ala kitabillah wa sunnati Rasulullah Upon the aqeedah of the Book of Allah, from the Book of Allah and the Sunnah of the Messenger La min qawli fulan wa la Not from the statement of he said and that one said and this one said. Knowledge is قَالَ اللَّهُ قَالَ رَسُولُهُ قَالَ sahaba. Teach the children 40 hadith. Teach the children usul al-thalatha. Teach the children qawaid al-arba'ah. Teach the children kitab al-tawheed. Teach the children ikhlas. Teach the children tawheed. لَا مِنْ قَوْلِ فُلَانُ فُلَانُ وَعْلَمْ وَعِلْمُ الْمَنْطِقِ Not that they should. They shouldn't be taught ilm al-mantiq. Futile speech, the speech, 
rhetoric and philosophy wa ilm al-kalam wa al-hadiyan and wasteless speech bal al-ta'lim yakunu min kitabillah wa min sunnati rasul sallam wa hadha sahlun bi'inillah wa fihi nurun wa barakatun wa khair and that is where there is light and blessing and good amma ilm al-mantiq knowledge of this rhetoric and philosophy and argumentation then this was makes the heart blackened and darkened the heart which is which cannot recognize the truth and many of those who wrote the likes of Razi they say Fakhraddin al-Razi from the from those who used to uh, bring philosophy and rhetoric in his speech many of those they regretted at the point of death they regretted what they have done and there's reports that mention that about Razi and he used to yeah, and he used ilm al-kalam you know for example he would say he would say uh, this prophet means the moon and this prophet means it doesn't actually tell you doesn't actually affirm the the apparent meaning of Allah's names and attributes he will say it means something else it means this it means that it means this, this is all rhetoric it's all kalam it's all wasteful speech speech that hasn't been revealed by Allah or the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam their reports I do remember them I've written them but inshallah we can bring some of them teach them what their not just their hearts should believe but what their act their limbs should do in terms of actions teach them the wudu and that wudu if you do it properly you come and the marks of wudu will be on on your forehead will be and the marks of wudu will be on the marks of your arms and your feet the Prophet the one who will intercede for the believers will recognize the believers will recognize the ummah is ummah from the marks of wudu Allahu Akbar so do wudu properly some of the children they put their feet in the water like that like they don't wash them properly teach them how to do wudu properly Allah this is what help them this is what will help them for their prayer to be accepted it is reported that teaching the youth the book of Allah it will extinguish the uh, or put out the the anger of Allah that is not a hadith that is not authentic as Sheikh Salih Fawzan mentioned as for teaching the youth at a young age which is like engraving upon a uh, engraving a rock yes that is true because when they're young then they learn that usually stays in their mind and he said I have already mentioned this to you I've given examples about that inshallah so and that which will honor them that is by learning this correct path that which will make them happy and that is by learning the correct aqidah and acting in accordance to it Sheikh Salif Uzan he says وَقَدْ مَثَلْتُ لَكَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ مَا يَنْتَفِعُونَ إِنْ شَاءَ اللَّهِ بِحِفْظِهِ يعني ذكرت في هذه الرسالة وفي مقدمتها ما إذا حفظه الطلاب وفهمه فإنهم ينتفعون به I've mentioned to you in this treatise he says that which will inshallah help the students to be better to be upon the Sirat al-Mustaqim to be 
uh, to benefit from, both in the belief as well as actions. Next page, page 34, Ibn Abi Zayd continues, he says, وَقَدْ جَاءَ أَنْ يُؤْمَرُ بِالصَّلَاةِ لِسَبْعِ سِنِينَ It has come that children should be taught the prayer at seven years old. Yes, hadith, which is sahih. مُرُّ أَوْلَادَكُمْ بِالصَّلَاةِ وَهُمْ أَبْنَاء سَبْعَ سِنِينَ Teach your children the prayer while they are at the age of seven. Naam. وَضْرِبُوهُمْ عَلَيْهَا وَهُمْ أَبْنَاءَ عَصْرَ سِنِينَ And hit them, يعني discipline them if they reach the age of ten and they don't pray because of laziness, because of uh, not treating the prayer with importance. وَفَرِّقُوا بَيْنَهُمْ فِي الْمَضَاجِعِ And separate their beds. So Shaykh Sa'i Fuzan says, فَلَا تَتْرُكُوهُمْ يَنَامُوا بَعْضُهُمْ إِلَى جَنْبِ بَعْضِ Don't leave them to sleep next to each other under one cover. This is not going to bring about good manners in their later life. Separate their beds. ذُكُورًا وَإِنَاثًا يعني وَإِنَاثًا The boys and the girls, separate their beds. You can have, for example, the boys in one room and the girls in another room. Now, if it's just one room, then separate them. But it's better to have in separate rooms. Why? Because when they get changed and so on and so forth. فلا, and such, that will teach them al-hishma. Sheikh mentions that will teach them to keep away from fitna. And will teach them also na'am, hishma, which is shyness. And a shyness is all good. Shyness is all good. So these are the three important points for children. Number one, taught to pray at an early age such that they know how to pray. And they're not hit at seven. That's their playing. They're not hit at seven, but they're taught. And also, don't bring them to the masjid. Some of the scholars mentioned, don't bring them to the masjid before seven. Don't bring them to the masjid before seven, as they may cause confusion during the prayer time. They may run in front of the musallid, people who pray. But teach them at seven, bring them to the masjid at seven. And prior to that, if it's prayer time and you bring them, they may... Yani wet the masjid or they may do something which will cause the prayer the people who are praying to be preoccupied. So one of them scholars mentioned at seven, bring them to the masjid and start teaching them. There's a there's a note here which mentions um sorry take this one. There's a note which mentions about the sisters. Please sisters do not talk during the lecture or during the dars. Some sisters are finding it difficult to pay attention. So first thing is teach them the prayer. When they reach the age of 10, then they are to be disciplined. Not beaten, not black and blue, not cut in their skin. This is not the way. Rather, discipline, a light discipline in order for them to re realize the seriousness of the prayer and so on. And thirdly, when they reach the age of 10, then they should separate, you should separate between them, their bedding. No. Ibn Abi Zaid continued, he said, فَكَذَلِكَ 
ينبغي أن يعلموا ما فرض الله على العباد Likewise they should be taught what is obligatory upon them, upon the servants من قول وعمل from speech and actions قبل بلوغهم before they reach بلوغ which is about 15 years old and sometimes girls they reach بلوغ before the age of 15 their بلوغ is puberty they reach the age before and there are signs that the scholars mention from that is wet dreams and from that is hair under the armpits these are all signs of بلوغ من قول وعمل قبل بلوغهم and what comes upon the woman comes upon the woman also that is from the signs ليأتي عليهم البلوغ وقد تمكن ذلك من قلوبهم وسكنت إليه أنفسهم وأنست بما يعملون به من ذلك جوارحهم so they are taught such that when they reach the age of puberty they are ready Alhamdulillah, their hearts have already been taught and they are tranquil and calm at that time and they are already now doing those deeds. So when the angels start writing, they are already, Alhamdulillah, doing that which is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Shaykh Saif Uzan, he said, لا يقتصر على أمرهم بالصلاة وعلى التفريق بينهم في المضاجع It's not just teaching them the prayer and separating their beds at 10 and disciplining them for those who don't do it بَلْ يُعَلَّمُونَ أَيْضًا بَقِيَةَ أُمُورُ الدِّينَ مِنَ الْحَلَالِ but rather they are taught the rest of the affairs of the deen of halal and haram and manners good manners and to keep away from bad manners if you're talking not to interrupt these are from good manners نعم to wait your turn from good manners when you're eating, for them to teach them, say, Bismillah. When they enter the house, Bismillah. When they're eating, not for their hands to go everywhere in the, on the plate. Eat together. Eat together upon one plate. If you are able. And the, for the barakah, the barakah, come together. Not everyone, this one eats at 2 o'clock, they want at 3 o'clock, they want at 5 o'clock. What's this? Be one. Be together. One family. Eat together. بطريقة مختصرة teach them فيعطون نماذج 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 sorry من أمور الدين so they have given aspects of the deen والآداب والأخلاق and manners and etiquette فينهون عن قول المحرم so they should not they should be forbidden from saying bad speech the Rasul صلى الله عليه وسلم as was mentioned by one of the companions لم يكن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فاحشا ولا متفحشا ولكن كان يقول خيركم عند الله don't be vile in speech. The Messenger was not vile in speech. Did not used to raise his voice in the markets from another hadith. Rather, the best of you, the ones who are beloved to Allah amongst you, are the best are the best in manners. So teach them not to swear, not to say bad words. And not to insult others, not to backbite, not to lie. Some parents, they say to their children, tell him I'm not in the house. The father says, when somebody calls, tell him I'm not here. He's here, he's there. And tell him not, he's lying. Don't teach your children to lie. The children look up to you. You be the example. Don't teach your children to backbite. And you teach your children not to backbite. 
backbiting. Prophet passed by two graves. He said, "Inna huma la'adzaban wa ma yu'adzabani fi kabira." They are not. They are being punished. Bal inna kabira. Rather, it's a major sin they've been punished for. Amma ahaduma fakana yimshi bina nasi bin namima. As for one of them, then he used to backbite between the people. And as for the other one that's been punished, he never used to conceal himself whilst urinating. Sheikh Abad mentions two meanings. They never used to conceal themselves from the eyes of the people while urinating. So when they go to the toilet, show them. They should be concealed. Sahab used to go far away, not in front of others whilst urinating, whilst uh, answering the call of nature. And the second meaning is, they never conceal their body, their legs, from the urine. So be careful. Teach them that they be careful when they're urinating. Otherwise there is a punishment in the grave for that. Teach them that they go to the bathroom to use water. If there's no water, huh? Or a container, they can use tissue, wet the tissue and clean. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with this clean way of life. Allah, this is a fadl from Allah, tahara. Away from namima, tail carrying, causing problems. Teach them at young age. And likewise, upon doing bad, haram things. Teach them to share. Share their toys, share what they have. Teach them to take your children to orphanages. Let them see children who are in difficulty. Let them see children that are handicapped and how difficult life they have. That they can be grateful to Allah for what Allah has given them. Let them go and see this. It's a lesson for them to be grateful as they grow up. Teach them to, that stealing is haram and taking the people's money is haram and deception is haram such that they are educated, cultivated upon istiqama, being upright in their deen and their dunya and in their manners and in their interactions with people. On the next page, page 36, Ibn Abi Zayd al-Qirawani says, وَقَدْ فَرَضَ اللَّهُ سُبْحَانَ تَعَالَى الْقَلْبِ عَمَلًا Allah is obligated upon the heart actions from beliefs and likewise obligated upon the limbs actions from obedience. And Shaykh Salih Fawzan explains by saying Allah is obligated upon the tongue and tongue is from the jawarih from the limbs. The tongue Moist with the, dhikr, with the dhikr of Allah. Teach them the adhkar of morning and evening. Teach them the adhkar. The remembrances. Teach them the tilawat al-Quran. To listen to Quran. And to recite the Quran. Because al-mahir bil-Quran ma'asafarat al-kiram al-barara yawm al-qiyamah The one who is eloquent, the one who is proficient Skillful with the Quran, he will be with the righteous, the highest on the day of judgment. Will be with the best. 
اقرأ ورتل read and recite to the last verse you'll be raised to the last verse you know teach your children the children that memorize Quran they will honor their parents with a taj with a crown for their parents on Yawm Al-Qiyamah teach your children the Quran how to recite it each letter لا أقول ألف لا ميم حرف ولكن ألف حرف ولام حرف وميم حرف each حرف is عشرة حسنة ten rewards how about if the region one juice a day or half a juice a day ten multiplied rewards after rewards be multiplied and even if they find it difficult والذي يقرأ القرآن ويتتعتع فيه the one who recites the Quran and he stutters whilst reciting it, you will have two rewards. Teach them that this is benefit for them. Allah obligated upon the heart's actions also. Amal and that is being humble to Allah and loving him and relying upon him. And repentance to him. Continuous repentance is inaba. These are actions of the heart that Allah is obligated. As well as the actions of the limbs. Like salah and sujood and jihad fi sabiillah. Yes, jihad, martyrdom or striving in the path of Allah whether it is given, it is Striving with regards to your soul, striving with regards to dawah, striving with regards to the pen. This is all jihad. Jihad is not to blow yourself up and kill innocent people and kill in, uh, women and children and to fight in other than the battlefield. It's not jihad, this is corruption, this is facade. So actions of the heart and also having the correct belief in the heart and having fear and having raghbah, hope. They call upon Allah with raghab and rahab with, with want and desire. And they call upon Allah with fear, with awe. And they are regarding our signs, humbled. So teach them that the actions of the heart, the actions of the limbs, and the tongue. Then Ibn Abi Zayd on page 37 he says, سأفصل لك ما شرطت لك ذكره بابا بابا I will mention to you in the next pages that are to come chapter by chapter ليقرب من فهم متعلمي that you make it easy for the for the ones who are uh, studying it, learning it, inshallah ta'ala. وَإِيَّاهُ نَسْتَخِيرُ And to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we call upon, we do istikhara, seeking his help. وَبِهِ نَسْتَعِينُ And to him we, we seek his aid. وَلَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ الْعَلِيُّ الْعَظِيمُ And there is no movement, nor any power and might, except by the will of Allah. The All High, Al Adim, the Exalted. Wasallallahu sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad, Nabihi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam.
Iman Kathira. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect and raise the honor, make mention of the Messenger in the highest of places and make and protect him and his family and the companions altogether with much praise. Shaykh Salif Ozan says, Yadkuru anna taqsim al kitab ila abwab. Mimma yu'inu al muta'allim wal qari' ala fahmihi shay'an fa shay'an. So this next chapters we're going to go over, they have chapter headings to make it easy for you and me in order to aid us in bringing the understanding closer to our hearts. And then he sends salah and salam upon the Messenger Sallallahu So now he begins the, that was the introduction. Now he begins the book. Bab ma tantiqu bihi al-sina wa ta'taqiduhu al-af'idatu min wajibi umuri diyanat the chapter what the tongues utter and what the hearts believe from the obligations or from the obligatory affairs in our deen ibn abi zaid says min dalikal imanu bil qalb from that is to have faith in the heart wan nutqu bil lisan an utterance of the tongue and allah ilahun wahidun La ilaha ghayru. That Allah is only one that deserves to be worshipped. None other deity but Him. None other deity besides Him. Shaykh Salif Uzan, he explains by explaining the meaning of La ilaha illallah. Many people don't know the meaning of La ilaha illallah. In it is nafi and ithbat. In it is negating and then affirmation. Allah commanded us to know La ilaha illallah. So at Muhammad verse 19, فَعْلَمُ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لِذَنْبِكَ Look how Allah mentioned knowledge preceding speech and action. As Imam Bukhari rahimullah mentioned, La ilaha illa Allah is what you and me have been created for, to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, not to call upon other deities beside Allah. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ مِنْ رَسُولٍ إِلَّا نُوحِي إِلَيْهِ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنَا فَعْبُدُونَ And there wasn't any messenger that came before them. From messengers except no nation before them except that a messenger came to them revealed to him that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah, except me, he says. فَعْبُدُونَ So worship me. So the Prophet Muhammad said, whoever says the article of faith None has the right to be worshipped except Allah and disbelieves and those that are worshipped besides Allah. Then their wealth and self become sacred and their accountability is with Allah. The hadith which is in Sahih Muslim book of faith. Your blood, your property and honor are sacred. Like the sacredness of this day was the day of Arafah. Like the sacredness of this place, which is the haram. So, knowing La ilaha illallah, Ibn al Qayyim rahimullah said, The article of faith is a statement upon which the heavens and the earth were established, and it is upon which the creation originated. La ilaha illallah means none has the right to be worshipped except Allah, and it is the foundation of this path. Saying it will save the person from punishment of the grave. La ilaha illallah. Saying it will save the person from the punishment of the grave. 
No one will enter paradise except with it. Of course, this is saying it sincerely and acting upon it, fulfilling its conditions. It is the rope which if one does not have, then they will not be able to reach Allah. It is a statement of Islam. And depending on the people's belief, they will be either categorized as people of happiness or people of sadness. Allahu Akbar. So knowing La Allah is that first and foremost with the correct understanding. Sheikh Salaf Uzan said, Bilhaq. No one deserves to, be, deserves to be worshipped with truth. No one has the right to be worshipped except Allah. If you just say La Allah means there's no one but Allah. That is incorrect translation. If you say La Allah means there, uh, 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 none is worshipped but Allah. That is incorrect. But none has the right to be worshipped except Allah. Bihaq illallah. And I'll give you in the Arabic language. La is la nafia. La of negating. It should have an ism and a khabar. La ilaha. The ism is there. What is the khabar? Illallah is not the khabar. This is called jumla istithna'iyya. A sentence which is called exception. A sentence of exception. Because it starts with illa. Illa means except. So where is the khabar? Where is the khabar? It is understood. According to what? According to the context of the da'wah of Rasulullah This is where all these Muslim translators get it wrong. And non-Muslim translators. They don't know the meaning of La ilaha illallah. And all these misguided groups, they don't know the meaning of La ilaha illallah. And if they do come to know it, it's not from their group. Because they don't teach it. Jama'at tabliq don't teach the meaning of La ilallah. Jama'at al-ikhwan don't teach the meaning of La ilallah. Jama'at al-takfir don't teach the Jama'at al-takfir, they follow the explanation of Sayyid Qutb. Sayyid Qutb in his tafsir, he said, La ilaha illallah means, La hakimiyata illa lillah. Gave it a meaning of, of lordship. That is incorrect. La ilaha illallah. The da'wah of Rasulullah is worship, not lordship. Yes, Allah is the Lord. But the disbelievers of Quraysh believed Allah is the Lord already. That didn't make them Muslims. If you ask them who created the heavens and heaven, they will say Allah. So they believed in Allah as being the Lord, as being the creator, the sustainer, the king, the planner. But they didn't enter Islam because of that. They have to worship Allah correctly. They have to remove all these intermediaries, all these, these partners that they have set up with Allah. And they should only call upon Allah and prostrate to Allah and bow down to Allah and rely upon Allah and hope in Allah and fear Allah more than anyone else. This is worship. This is ibadah. As Ibn Taymiyyah said, العبادة اسم جامع لكل ما يحبه الله ويرضى من الأقوال والأفعال الظاهرة والباطنة This is worship Everything that towards Allah loves from statement from actions that which is apparent and that which is hidden This is worship Your worship becomes for Allah All these misguided groups they miss the plot 
They missed the plot. Didn't understand. Because they didn't go back to the seer of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, whoever dies and he knows that none has the right to be worshipped except Allah will enter paradise. Hadith in Sahih Muslim. The messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam explained the article of faith when he sent Mu'ad radiallahu anhu to Yemen. These two hadith, you'll find them in Bukhari. The last chapter, Kitab al-Tawheed. You go to the people of the book, so let the first thing you call them to is La ilaha illallah, the shahada of none has the right to be worshipped except Allah. In the other wording, you're going to the people of the book. Let the first thing you call them to is and Allah. Tawheed. Who said Tawheed has not been mentioned by the Rasul Sallallahu Who said? Tawheed has been mentioned by Rasulullah. And Yuwahidullah, what is Yuwahidullah? Tawheed. And then you have these political activists and these confused individuals like Shadid Muhammad who says all they do is talk about Tawheed, 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 Tawheed. And he mentions five times to belittle it. Subhanallah. Yes. Tawheed. Tawheed. Day and night. He says all they talk about is Tawheed day and night. MashaAllah, I wish we did that. I wish that was every day, day and night. What did Noah say then? What did Noah say in response to your ignorance? What did Noah say? Noah said, Inni da'a wa nahara. I call my people day and night. Why is he calling them to? Tawheed. Inni da'a wa nahara. Falam yazidhum du'a illa firara. But they kept on running away. Every time I call him to, I, huh? when they rejected, I, what did he do? He used sign language. Because now they put their ears in their fingers, their fingers in their ears. And they didn't, they didn't want to see the sign language, Allah is the one to be worshipped. So then they covered themselves, <laughs> covered their eyes. First they didn't want to hear, then they want to see. Upon arrogance. They didn't want to hear Tawheed. Like these individuals who belittle Tawheed. Tawheed, Tawheed, Tawheed. What's the problem, Yaqi? Tawheed is sincerity. Tawheed is that you come to Allah sincerely. Tawheed is that you pray sincerely. And you give charity sincerely. You be righteous to your Muslim neighbor. This is Tawheed. What is the problem, Yaqi? That means you haven't understood Tawheed. The disbelievers of Quraysh, they understood Tawheed. How comes you haven't understood Tawheed? How comes you haven't understood Tawheed? Hercules, he said to Abu Sufyan, before Abu Sufyan was a Muslim, then he became Muslim afterwards, he said to him, what does he order you to do? The Byzantine emperor of the Eastern Roman Empire, Hercules. While he was addressing one of the polytheists at the time, Abu Sufyan, who later became Muslim, he said to him, what does that prophet of theirs call them to do? Look, Abu Sufyan now is not Muslim at that time. He was a polytheist, but he understood La ilaha illallah. Look what he said. Abu, I, Abu Sufyan said, he tells us to worship Allah. Allahu Akbar. Not Allah is a ruler and the, no, he tells us to worship Allah and Allah alone and not to worship anything along with him 
and to renounce all that our ancestors had said. He ordered us to pray, to speak the truth, to be chaste, and to be good to relations with our kith and kin. Allahu Akbar. Narration in Bukhari. Ya Abdullah. Mushrikun, they understood La ilaha illallah and you are belittled in it. You don't know the meaning of La ilaha illallah and you belittle those who call to it. But let, let us look at the tafsir of La ilaha illallah. At-Tabari, Imam At-Tabari who died 310 Hijriyah, the first Mufassir of Quran to make tafsir of Quran as a whole compilation, complete compilation. He said, no, the verse, Fa'lam annahu la ilaha illallah, no, O Muhammad, no other worship is befitting or no one is deserving of this worship except Allah. So he mentioned the word worship. So la ilaha means none should be deserving of worship except Allah. Worship, ibadah, uluhiyyah. Siddiq Hassan Khan in his tafsir. What did he say about la ilaha illallah? About this verse. He said it means that if you come to know that the affairs of good are tawheed and obedience and the affairs of evil are shirk and disobedience then therefore know that none has the right to be worshipped but Allah. Allahu Akbar. Shaykh Abdurrahman al-Sa'di in his tafsir. What did he say about la ilaha illallah? This knowledge that Allah commanded us with is the knowledge of affirming and worshipping of Allah alone. Ibadah. Al-Shawkan in his tafsir from the 13th century. He said regarding the kalimat al-Tawheed, La ilaha illallah, that it means none has the right to be worshipped except Allah. The scholar of tafsir, Al-Shanqiti rahimullah in his adwa' al-bayan, regarding La ilaha illallah, he said the one who is worshipped on his own, and then he has beautiful names, Allahu Akbar. Scholars after scholars from the scholars of tafsir, all explaining the meaning of La ilaha illallah in accordance to the context of of the messengers Asim Sirah. Even from the f students of Muhammad Abdul Wahab Rahimullah. Those who came afterwards from the students, the likes of Abdul Latif who said it becomes clear that a literal translation in this instance that there is no God but Allah of La ilaha illallah is not correct and gives the wrong message of the verse which is other than the reality of its meaning Allah addresses all of mankind to worship him this is the meaning of La ilaha illallah ibadah and you want to belittle you want to belittle that may Allah protect us look I have gathered 15 translators of Quran and how they translated La ilaha illallah Yusuf Ali there's no God but God you see Where's the word worship? Mafi. Pikthul, there is no God save Allah. No worship mentioned. Rashad, who is a Mu'tazili, who claimed to be a prophet later. He said, La ilaha means there is no other God beside Allah. Where's the word worship? This Rashad has got a translation of Quran, it's blue cover. His, his whole translation, if you look at it, is all numbers. In the tafsir, it's all numbers. Called it the miracle 19. He said, and you see it's all calculations, 2 times 5 times there, divided by this one, that, and therefore the verse means this. It's mathematics, yeah. This is not tafsir. This is riyadiyat. And then he says, then I found out that actually, he made a calculation, shaitan 
whispered to him, he made a calculation, he said, and then I, actually it's me who's the prophet. He claimed to be the prophet. <laughs> actually he said, as for the verse, Khatim and Nabiyin, that the Prophet is the seal of the prophets, he said, yeah, he's the seal of the prophets, but I'm Khatim al-Mursaleen. I'm the seal of the messengers. This is Rashad. Translate the whole Quran, cover to cover. But one of the funny things is, when I looked at his translation of Quran, Subhanallah, you know I found from the most strangest of affairs, I found that he used tafsir of Sayyuti. He's quoted Sayyuti in the tafsir, and he's quoted another tafsir. I'm thinking, if you're the prophet or messenger, why would you need a tafsir? <laughs> Wallah, that's from the Hamaqatihi. Tafsir of uh, the translation of Asad. Big translation, full of misguidance. When he comes to Allah, Allah, what does he say? There is no deity save God. And he has all sorts of statements in there. Jinn is not real, angels are not real, nothing is real. Subhanallah. Living a life of allegorical belief. Nothing is real. Jinn means something else. Angels mean something else. This one means nothing is real to him. Yusuf Ali as well, when it comes to the hellfire, he says it's not real. Sallallahu Mir Ali, Shiite, came to the verse of La ilaha Allah, what does he say? La ilaha means there is no God but God. You see, no worship. That's why they worship graves. And they worship their 12, their 12 Imams because they claim that they know the unseen. They say the 12 Imams, they know the unseen and they take care of your affairs. This is what they say. Shakir, another, another Shiite translator of Quran. What does he say? La ilaha Allah means there is no God but Allah. Where is the worship there? Nothing. Ma fi ibadah. Qadiani translation of Mawlana Muhammad Ali. There is no God but Allah. Where is the word worship? Nothing. Shir Ali, the official Qadiani translation. There is no God other than Allah. No worship. Ma fi ibadah. Lillah. Tahir Qadri, the Sufi. Brelvi. There is no God but Allah. There is no God except Allah. Aubrey, non-Muslim translator. Palmer, Sale, all of them. There is no God but Allah. No God but God. There is no God but God. Rodwell, no God but God. You see? Bankrupt in understanding the kalimat of Tawheed. So how do you expect them to translate the rest of the Quran correctly? If they don't know, La ilaha illallah. This is your aqidah, your belief. The first thing that one should know. La ilaha illallah. La ma'buda bihaqin illallah. This is the da'wah of Rasulullah sallallahu So if they don't know the context of his da'wah, then how can they explain the most basic of affairs? The kalimat al-tawheed. La ilaha illallah. La ma'buda bihaqin illallah. Aquli qawli hada. Wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum fastaghfiruhu. Inna al-ghafur rahim. We break there. And then inshallah we continue after Isha. Barakallahu feekum. Kalahu ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh. Sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Amma ba'd. Faqala al-musannifu rahimahullah. Ibn Abi Zayd rahimahullah said. Wala yuhitu bi amrihi al-mutafakkiroon. The so-called thinkers, they are not able to encompass all of Allah's commands to know Allah by their thinking. 
يعتبروا المتفكرون بآياته the mutafakkirun those who thinkers the ones who ponder ya'tabiru al-mutafakkirun bi-ayati and this is explained by Sheikh Salih Fuzan he says at-tafakkur thinking or pondering fillah is that you the correct pondering in Allah's sign in Allah means to ponder over his signs to ponder over his signs al-kawniyyah wal-qur'aniyyah both those signs that are the creation parts of creation like the the stars the moon the sun and the mountains and so on and qur'aniyyah the signs regarding the verses so pondering over Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's signs like the earth and the mountains and the oceans the land, the sea, and the trees, and the rivers. Pondering over that, no doubt it proves that Allah is the creator of all of that. And all of it proves Allah's existence. All of it proves that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where, where did all this come from? The sun, the moon. The, where did it come from? From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how strange it is. For somebody who disobeys Allah, الْجَاحِدُ Or the one who rejects Islam, how can he reject? And everything is a proof for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a sign from Allah which proves that he is the only one that deserves to be worshipped. وَكَذَا تَفَكُّرْ فِي آيَاتِ اللَّهِ الْقُرْآنِيَّةِ And pointing over the signs of Allah, the verses from the Qur'an. Pondering over it and its meaning and its tafsir. As for pondering over how Allah's names and attributes are, this wrong. Or pondering how Allah spoke, Allah's speech with regards to the Qur'an, this is wrong. We don't know how His attributes are, but we know we have to affirm them. The meaning of Allah's names and attributes are known, but how is unknown. So it's not allowed to question how the names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are. Those who ponder and use their intellect, they're not able to know Allah, Allah's names and attributes and His self by their thinking. Rather, their thinking is limited. Their thinking is limited. You have to believe in Allah, His names and attributes, and stop at the questioning of how. We don't know how. There is a how that Allah knows how these attributes are. But we don't know that how. We don't know how the, the attributes are. So they shouldn't ponder over how his that is how his self is as Allah mentions in ayat al-kursi and they're not able, uh, able to encompass out of his knowledge except that which he wills Sheikh Saif Uzan says this is the proof 
that you're not, uh, you're not allowed to ponder over Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's names and attributes like how they are on how his essence is not allowed وَلَا يُحِيطُونَ بِشَيْءٍ مِنْ عِلْمِهِ إِلَّا بِمَا فَعِلْمُ اللَّهُ وَاسِعٍ The knowledge of Allah is vast. Our knowledge is limited. We do not know except what Allah has taught us. As the angels themselves said, سُبْحَانَكَ لَا عِلْمَ لَنَا إِلَّا مَا عَلَّمْتَنَا High is Allah from imperfection. That we don't have any knowledge except that which you have taught us. إِنَّكَ أَنْتَ الْعَلِيمُ الْحَكِيمُ For indeed you are the most knowledgeable, the most wise. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he said to his Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَعَلَّمَكَ مَا لَمْ تَكُنْ تَعْلَمْ And he taught you that which you did not know. Surah An-Nisa, verse 113. And likewise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned that we should in seek increase in knowledge. وَقُلْ رَبِّ زِدْنِي عِلْمًا Saying that to the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that say to my Lord, increase me in knowledge. So that which the Allah taught His creation of knowledge is that which they know. And that which He didn't teach them, they don't know. So they shouldn't enter into, delve into how Allah's names and attributes are. What knowledge have you been given except little? Complete knowledge belongs to Allah. As for our knowledge, then it is little. It is very little compared to the knowledge of Allah. فَلَا نُحِيطُ بِشَيْءٍ مِنْ عِلْمِهِ إِلَّا بِمَا شَاءٍ So we're not able to encompass anything of his knowledge except with that which he wills. وَعَلَّمَنَا إِيَّاهِ عَلَى لِسَانِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَى وَسَلَّمِ And that which he has taught us upon the tongue of Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم. عَالِمُ الْغَيْبِ فَلَا يُظْهِرُ عَلَى غَيْبِهِ أَحَدًا Allah is عَالِمُ الْغَيْبِ and he does not show that to anyone illa man irtada except the one who is pleased with min, min rasul those who is pleased with like the messengers he, he tells them that which they need to know like the Prophet ﷺ, he saw hellfire and he saw paradise from the ilm al ghaib when he was praying the eclipse prayer and he moved forward and he tried to grab the grapes and then from the grapes of paradise, that is. Then he moved back when he saw hellfire and he moved back. That is from the ilm al-ghayb. But he only gave him that uh, which he saw. As for knowing all of ilm al-ghayb, the Messenger Sassim himself was told to say that he doesn't know all of ilm al-ghayb. قُلْ لَا أَعْلَمُ الْغَيْبِ قُلْ لَوْ كُنْتُ أَعْلَمُ الْغَيْبِ Sorry. لَسْتَكْتَرْتُ مِنَ الْخَيْرُ مَا مَسْنِ يَسُوءِ If I had known the unseen, unconditionally, then I would have done more good and no harm would have touched me. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala conveyed to the Messenger parts of the unseen, yes. But remember, the Prophet himself said that Allah said, I have prepared for my ummah, for my people for the servants my servants what no eye has seen no air has seen and no ear has heard of and no heart has contemplated what it will be like in its complete sense yes the Prophet saw that which you saw of what Allah showed him of the people of paradise the people of hellfire and so on but 
in his complete sense, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he only gave that which he gave. And the complete knowledge of the unseen belongs to Allah. And we do not claim that the Prophet knows all of the unseen. As the Burda of Busayri mentions that وَمِنْ عِلْمِكَ عِلْمَ اللَّوْحِ وَالْقَلَمِ From your knowledge is the knowledge of the preserved tablets and the pen. The knowledge of the pen is knowledge of everything was going to happen. The Prophet doesn't know everything was going to happen. If he did, he wouldn't have taken a guide to show him where is Medina. He took a guide to show him the way to Medina. If he'd known the unseen, he wouldn't have eaten from that meat that had poison in it. That was given to him by the Jewish lady. If he had known the unseen, naam, there are proofs after proofs. If he had known the unseen, then he would have done more good, he said. فَإِنَّهُ يَطْلَعُهُ يُطْلِعُهُ اللَّهُ عَلَى مَا شَاءَ مِنَ الْغَيْبِ What Allah wills of the unseen, He shows the Messenger Sallallahu For the benefit of the people, that He, the Messenger Sallallahu may clarify to the people what is known and what should be known in the aqeed of the Muslim. So as for those who claim that they know everything, like the Shia, they claim the 12 Imams, they know the unseen unconditionally and they take care of the people's affairs. This is batil, this is futile. And those Sufi sheikhs, like the one we mentioned yesterday or the day before, the Naqshbandi sheikh who says he, can, he knows if you prayed Fajr just by looking at your face. These kind of foolish statements... That's foolishness. And this is lies. It's falsehood. Only Allah knows the unseen unconditionally. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And with him are the keys to, uns- to the unseen. No one knows it but him. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And likewise, Allah mentions that he's the only one who knows the unseen. Ilm al-ghayb. Unconditionally belongs to Allah. In Surah Luqman, Allah mentions five aspects of the unseen. Not you, not me, not anyone will know. In Allah khabir. Five things. No one knows. When the hour is. Jibreel came to the Messenger of Allah said, Mata sa'a? Qala, man mas'oolu anha bi'a'lam min as-sa'il. The one being questioned was no more than the one questioned. And likewise, when the man said, Mata sa'a? When is the hour? The Prophet replied to him with a question. Ma da'adatta laha? What have you prepared for it? It's not important to know when the hour is, but it's important to know what you prepared for it. And he said, didn't prepare except little. But Allah, Allah and, and His Rasul. He says, Anta man ahbabt. You will be with those whom you love. Teach this to your children. You will be with those who you love. Who do you love? The messengers. You will be with them, inshallah, if you are upon their way. Who do you love? The Sahaba. You will be with them if you follow their way. Who do you love? Ahl Sunnah. You will be with them if you follow their way. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us with them. Hey Allah. <coughs> Be with them in this life and you will be with them in the hereafter, inshallah. Be with them in this life by following their path. As for the second aspect, 
Only Allah knows when it's going to rain. How many times they get it wrong? They say tomorrow is going to be sunny. You go outside and it's pouring down. How many times? A hurricane comes, they didn't even know it's coming. Huh? And how many times they say, oh, it's good, this is going to be khalas, the coldest month and the coldest, and it's really sunny outside. They get it all wrong. They don't know when it's going to rain. Exactly. Only Allah knows. Exactly. Allah knows what's in the arham, the womb. When the woman is pregnant, the mother is pregnant, subhanAllah, in the womb, only Allah knows. Yes, they may get the scans. They say, oh, it's going to be a boy. After when? After four months or so far. Oh, it's going to be a boy. You get your boy's clothes and this, and then they find out it's a girl. How many times that happens? It's true. Only Allah knows what's in the arham. Or the other way around. And no soul knows what's going to happen tomorrow. What is going to earn tomorrow. Today you've got, mashallah, a job that's uh, safe. All of a sudden you lose your job. Only Allah knows. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for good risk. One benefit, inshallah, after fajr, make a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Say, Allahumma inni as'aluka ilman nafi' wa amalan mutakabbalan wa rizqan tayyiban. Say this dua. This will help you, inshallah, get rizq. Oh Allah, I ask you for beneficial knowledge and actions that are accepted and a good provision process. And we'll say this after Fajr Salah. Ask Allah, and Allah will help you. Allah will aid you. You lost your job? Then don't fall short. Don't despair, inshallah, around the corner. Allah will... Allah has already written your provision. But it doesn't mean you sit down, say, wait for it to come. No, strive. Wallahi, the upper hand is better than the lower hand. Don't beg from the people. Work and strive and do that which will يعني, put in halal food in your children's mouth. Alhamdulillah, this is khair. And no soul knows where it's going to die, which land is going to die. Allah makes a reason. You travel and you die in that travel. SubhanAllah. So nobody knows. They're unseen unconditionally. Not the Prophet Muhammad, not anyone. Not the angels, not the peers, not the one who's dead in his grave. No one. Except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَأَنَّهُمْ اِرْتَقَوْا بِالْعِلْمِ إِلَى مَا لَا نِهَايَةَ لَهُ And they are raised with knowledge. And only Allah knows its limit. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raises people with the knowledge. يَرْفَعِ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنْكُمْ وَالَّذِينَ أُتُوا الْعِلْمِ دَرَجَاتِ Many levels, Allah raises the believers and the people of knowledge. Yes, some people, he's talking about actually those people uh, who claim to know the unseen, lying to the people, يعني, with unlimited knowledge they claim of the unseen. <laughs> unlimited knowledge of the unseen. So this is referring to the, the innovators who claim unlimited knowledge of the unseen. Like we mentioned earlier, they have dreams uh, about the Rasul ﷺ. Yes, they say, I saw Rasul ﷺ. But if you know what he looks like, like somebody said, I saw Messenger ﷺ, and he had a white beard, and he, had, and he described him other than what was described in his, his description. Go to Tirmidhi, he's got a book about the description of Rasul ﷺ. This person, he said, I saw Rasulullah and he came with a description other than the description that is mentioned in the hadith. 
That means you didn't see Rasulullah. You saw Shaitan, and he's led you astray. And they boast about this. I this and I saw this and but if you truly know his description and you saw him then you saw him these people are liars who claim to know the unseen unconditionally so they lie about claiming to know the unseen. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows the unseen unconditionally. The next section talks about the rest of the verse of Ayat al-Kursi. That his kursi extended over the heavens and the earth. His kursi. Kursi is created. What is the kursi? Ibn Abbas said it is the footstool. It is not the arsh, it is not knowledge, it is not dominion, authority, it is the footstool. We don't say how, but we believe it. This Ibn Abbas spoke about this affair, and this is ilm al-ghayb. It's not known from, uh, from him to take from the people of the book. Ibn Abbas, cousin of Rasulullah this is from the matters of the unseen, it is impossible that he took it from himself except that he took it from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the kursi is under the arsh Sheikh Fawzan says the arsh is greater than it the arsh is the heaviest thing Allah created the proof of that is the hadith the dhikr that we say the hadith that the Prophet taught he taught yeah, who, which is a Sahabiya? There's two narrations. One of them is Juwayriya, which is in Sahih Muslim. The Prophet taught her. He saw her doing dhikr right until sunrise. He said, let me teach you some statements, uh, four statements. If you say it, it is sufficient for you. Then your dhikr that you were saying all up to sunrise. Subhanallah wa bihamdi adada khalqih wa rida nafsih wa zinata arshih Say these four statements after Fajr. It is as if you're making dhikr right until sunrise. Easy on the tongue. Subhanallah bihamdihi. The amount of times of his creation. Allah. Subhanallah bihamdihi. The amount of times as his pleasure. Allah. Subhanallah bihamdihi. The amount of times as the weight of the arsh. Allahu Akbar. And if there was anything heavier than the arsh, greater than the arsh in creation, the Prophet would have mentioned it. That's the proof. That it is the greatest of Allah's creation, the arsh. Subhanallah bihamdihi. The amount of times as midada kalimati, As his speech. وَلَوْ كَانَ الْبَحْرُ مِدَادَ لِكَلِمَةِ رَبِّهِ لَنَفِدَ الْبَحْرُ قَبْلَ أَن تَنْفَدَ كَلِمَةُ رَبِّهِ وَلَوْ جِئْنَ بِمِثْلِهِ مَدَدًا If you were to bring oceans as ink to exhaust the speech of Allah, the oceans will all be exhausted before the speech of Allah is exhausted, even if you were to bring other oceans or another ocean like it. Subhanallah. The amount of times is his speech.
Allahu Akbar. Allah speaks when He wills to Himself, He wills, and He says what He wills. Allahumma barik. Allahu Akbar, I should say. So the kursi is that which is smaller than the arsh. How can it be the arsh? When he, when he said, well, kursi samawati wal ard. Extends over the heavens and the earth. How can it be the arsh? If this is the kursi. And how about the greatness of the arsh? No intellect can even contemplate how enormous and great the arsh is. As the Prophet said, what is the example or the example of the heavens and the seven heavens compared to the kursi is like a dirham coin thrown in a desert. The heavens, the seven heavens, not even one, seven heavens compared to the kursi is like a coin in a, thrown in a desert. Coin, just a coin, thrown in a desert. And the example of the kursi compared to the arsh, another narration, is like the, another, another coin thrown in the desert. Allahu Akbar. So how about Allah? How great Allah is. How great Allah is. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. The seven heavens and the earth, seven earths compared to the kursi uh, is like what? Seven darahim in a, in a, in a desert. The kursi in terms of the arsh, mal kursi fil arsh illaka halakatin, like a ring, sorry. I said dirham. Second one says, the kursi compared to the arsh is like a ring, an iron ring in an open barren land, thrown in open barren land. That hadith is in, or that narration is mentioned by Tabari in his tafsir. فَهَذَا بَيَانٌ لِعَظَمَةِ مَخْلُقَاتِ مَخْلُقَاتِ اللَّهِ فَكَيْفَ بِعَظَمَةِ اللَّهِ How about the greatness of Allah? فَالْكُرْسِ فَوْقَ الْعَرْشِ وَاللَّهُ فَوْقَ الْعَرْشِ The kursi is above the arsh and Allah is above... The kursi, sorry. The arsh is above the kursi and Allah is above the arsh. مُسْتَوِنَ عَلَى عَرْشِهِ Rose above the arsh. That is what istiwa means. That Allah rose above the arsh. How do we know? Because the student of Ibn Abbas... His name is Mujahid. And likewise the Tabi'i, Abu Ali, both of them said that the meaning of istiwa, Allah, istiwa over the arsh means irtafa'a wa'ala, that Allah rose above the arsh. In a way which befits His Majesty. In a way which befits His Majesty. His knowledge is everywhere, yes. But he is not everywhere. Many Muslims, you ask them, where is Allah? They say everywhere. This is wrong. Allah is above the arsh. Ar-Rahman al-Arsh istawa. Ilayhi yas'adu al-kalimu al-tayyibu al-amalu al-salih yarfa'u. To him rises the good speech and good actions make it rise even further. The Prophet went on a night journey. Going up. When we make dua, we raise our hands to the one who is above. In a way which befits His Majesty. No leaf falls anywhere in the earth except that Allah knows about it. 
ولا حبت في ظلمات الارض no seed in the darkness of the earth ولا رطب ولا يابس no leaf that is dry or moist الا في كتاب مبين except that it is it, it is in the kitab mubin clear book allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he mentioned wasi'a kursi as-samawati wal ard his kursi extends kursi stands over the samawati wal ard then alhamdulillah in the books of tafsir the scholars have already explained this the scholars have already explained the meaning of kursi scholars of who of al sunnah wal jama'ah i will just go through one or two benefits inshallah about the kursi because it's important to know the kursi as we mentioned is the footstool without resembling allah to creation that's the position of the righteous predecessors from the sahaba radiyallahu anhum and this is also mentioned from the companions the likes of Abu Dhar and Ibn Abbas and Ibn Mas'ud and Abu Musa al-Ash'ari and others from the Tabi'een yani from the Sahaba and the Tabi'een this is what they have mentioned there's a Maliki scholar his name is Muhammad Ibn Abdullah Ibn Zamanayn great scholar from the Maliki scholars from the 5th century he died in the year 399 said he has a book called Usul al-Sunnah he said amongst the statements of the scholars of the Sunnah is that the Kursi is in front of the throne the place of the two feet without knowing how oh, in accordance with the statement of Ibn Abbas Al-Qurtubi in his tafsir likewise he said what the prophetic narrations necessitate is that the Kursi is a great creation in front of the throne and the throne is greater than it the 4th century scholar Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari Rahimahullah and his Risalatun ila Ahli Thagar and he wrote three books before he died to show that he went back to the Aqeedah of Imam Ahmad Rahimahullah he said there is Ijma' there is consensus that Allah has a Kursi which is other than the Arsh Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Zamanayn al-Maliki he said that this is the statement of the Sunni scholars. The scholar of Tafsir, Ibn Kathir, rahimullah, he quotes the companion Ibn Abbas, saying the kursi is the footstool, and no one can comprehend how vast the throne is except Allah. Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimullah, he said the kursi is confirmed in the book of Allah, the Sunnah, and the consensus of the righteous companions. Ibn Abi al-Iz al-Hanafi Rahimahullah, the judge of Damascus in his time in his sharh of Aqeedat al-Tahawiyya he said the kursi is in front of the throne however there are people who consider the kursi as being the arsh and they were misguided they were mistaken how could it be the arsh when in the hadith of Abu Dhar Ghifar said that the messenger وسلم, said the kursi in relation to the throne is like an iron ring thrown out upon an open space of desert and ibn mas'ud look listen to this beautiful hadith that 
said between that the Prophet said between the first heaven and the and the one above it is a distance of five hundred years. Between each and of the heavens is a distance of five hundred years. Between the seventh heaven and the kursi is a distance of five hundred years. Between the kursi and the water is a distance of five hundred years. The throne is above the water. Allah is above the throne. And nothing whatsoever of your deeds is hidden from him. This hadith is narrated by Ibn Khuzayma in his Kitab al-Tawheed. Also you'll find it in Sunan al-Darimi or in al-Darimi's Rad ala Bishr. And likewise, Bayhaqi mentioned it in Asma'u al-Sifat. And this hadith is classified as Sahih by Ibn al-Qayyim rahimullah in his Ijtima' Jus Islamiyyah. And Sheikh Albani rahimullah authenticated it as well. So alhamdulillah. We do not need anyone to come 1,300, 400 years later to tell us something different than what the Salaf used to believe. We do not need anyone to come later and deny these narrations from the Sahaba anhum. And this narration from Ibn Mas'ud anhu clearly shows that the throne is not the kursi. The throne is separate from the kursi and is greater than the kursi. The kursi is not the mulk. The kursi is not considered to be the mulk of Allah. Some of them they translate it as dominion. His dominion huh, extends over the heavens. It's not his dominion. Because dominion of Allah is not limited to the heavens and the earth. The, the kursi is not the knowledge of Allah. Because how can you say his knowledge extends over the heavens and the earth only? The knowledge of Allah extends beyond that. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all of those statements are futile and they have been refuted by scholars. And we have quotes for them. Quotes by the scholars refuting those shubuhat. The kursi is not just to show Allah's greatness, pride and honor. The kursi uh, is that which Allah subhanahu has mentioned. Wasi'a kursi Look at these translations of Quran. When they come to the kursi, look what they say. Alhamdulillah. Muhsin Khan with uh, Al-Hilali, the best translation of Quran in Al-Aqidah. His kursi extends over the heavens and the earth. Allahumma barik. Look what Yusuf Ali says. His throne doth extend. What throne? Throne is different than kursi. Big throne. His throne included the heavens. What's this? Rashad, the one who claimed to be a messenger. His dominion. Asad, his internal power. Mir Ali, the Shia, Shiite, the Shi'i. His throne, Shakir, the Shi'i. His knowledge, Mawlana, the Qadiani, his knowledge. Shir Ali, the Qadiani, official translation, his knowledge. Awlaq, the Sufi, Brilvi, his authority. Muhammad Tahir, Al Qadri, his throne. We're talking about Kursi, Yaqi. We're not talking about Arsh. Arbery, his throne. Palmer, his throne. Sale, his throne. Rodwell, his throne. All of them got it wrong. You see, Ahl Sunnah, we stick to the way of the Salaf. These are clear proofs. We go back to where they go back to. That is the authentic narrations. All of these misguided individuals, Sufis, Shiites, Qadianis, Brelvis, whatever they all of them. Don't even get the word kursi right. How can they get? They don't even get la ilaha right. They're going to get kursi right. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us 
from these deviations. May Allah protect us. Stick with Ahl Sunnah. Stick with the Salafiyun. The Ahl Athar. They speak with knowledge. They speak with narrations. And they go back to the authentic sources. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and aid us and forgive us our shortcomings. I'll call you this and I'll forgive you.